uh, it is not really, uh, I won't read any, any text. It is rather informal talk in which I try to address uh, a problem connected with uh, the text that has given the, uh, the title to the uh, lecture series this year at Blackfriars, namely the De Magistro of, uh, of uh, Aquinas. My talk will be organized in three parts, three steps. First, a brief summary, uh, a way of uh, recalling some uh, uh, characteristic and relevant features on the theory of teaching and learning according to Aquinas. Of course, when we speak of teaching and learning, there are the two sides of the same coin. Uh, so the title could also have been uh, teaching failures and not only uh, learning failures. The second part this of, teasing, of teaching, both as Aquinas himself presents mostly in an indirect way in his writings, but also with some uh, uh, notes or observation on what we know of Aquinas as a teacher from the historical sources, from his biographers, etc. And finally, we will try to draw some conclusion on uh, the problem of teaching and learning from the perspective of uh, failure, limit, problem, uh, hindrances, which is uh, the perspective I have uh, chosen for uh, my approach. And uh, uh, sorry to send out uh, the spoiler already now, the conclusion will be that the education of the whole person is uh, for Aquinas essentially a negative task, no less important, however, essentially a negative task. And we will see in which sense is a negative task. I am not particularly, despite the training during the past year of online teaching, I've never really adapted myself to this system of interaction with the audience. And uh, therefore, um, I uh, beg your patience and uh, understanding. Uh, however, the topic uh, uh, fits well also the possibility of uh, a bad and unsuccessful talk, because in that case, it would be uh, performing a teaching failure. And uh, therefore, you will have in the worst scenario, at least an example of what the teaching failure consists in. First part, uh, the theory of teaching. I won't say much on this, also because uh, you, uh, I assume that most of you know the text, which uh, so-called the Magistro, uh, which is the uh, Questio Disputata 11th De Veritate, on truth. Uh, this uh, is a is a text uh, that dates back to the first uh, Parisian period of Aquinas. So we are in the second half of the 50s. So is a, a young master in theology, which address uh, this issue in a broader analysis of the topic of truth and knowledge. Uh, to have a summary uh, of uh, 
several elements discussed in the uh, question 11, uh, De Veritate. Uh, one could also look at the summa at, uh, at the very end of the prima pars, uh, written uh, more than uh, 10 years later. Um, we have a question, uh, the first article of the question 117 of the first part of the summa, uh, the topic of which is utrum homo possit alium docere, whether someone can teach someone else. And uh, this is a articulated argument with uh, several uh, objections and the answer to the objection. So it's a, it's a treatise uh, uh, very dense and we find even some little precision uh, in uh, comparison with what we uh, read in the De Veritate, but basically uh, there is a, a substantial overlap. What is the theory of teaching and learning according to Aquinas expressed in the most exemplary and explicit way in the text I just mentioned? I uh, just focus on uh, what, we, what is uh, the answer there. And for that, in the bibliography uh, that you have in the handout, you may uh, capitalize on the reading of the rich, uh, almost 100 pages long introduction by Ruedi Imbach to the uh, French uh, edition of the De Magistro. There, there is a, a nice overview of medieval teaching at, in, in the Middle Ages, in the 13th century, and at the uh, University of Paris, and then a detailed analysis of uh, Aquinas' text. Even Imbach, at the end, uh, he says that the position of Aquinas is a sort of middle way in which he tries to defend the autonomy of uh, the sphere of uh, human communication and therefore the validity and the uh, efficacy of teaching on the one side. But on the other side, there is the claim that Aquinas never dismissed, according to which uh, only God is uh, the true teacher. Only God can really uh, uh, be presented as a teacher because he's the only one who, uh, first of all, creates the human nature with the ability to learn and then can intervene directly in the process of learning uh, via inspiration and via uh, other uh, the gifts of the spirit, etc. So uh, Imbach speaks of uh, uh, equilibrism, a sort of exercise of balance in which uh, uh, Aquinas wants to maintain, uh, um, to give uh, uh, some uh, uh, reason for the experience of teaching and its efficacy, but on the other side, uh, those uh, uh, reasons and those arguments are uh, quite limited. And you can see, uh, well, in the first text, uh, which is uh, taken from uh, 
the De Magistro from the first article of this question 11th, the answer to one of the objection. And let me read it. And with this, I will conclude the first part. In the pupil, the intelligible forms of which knowledge received through teaching is constituted are caused directly by the agent in the, in the intellect and mediately, indirectly, by one who teaches. For the teacher sets before the pupil signs of intelligible things, rerum intelligibilium signa, and from these the agent intellect derives the intelligible likenesses, similitudinous, and causes them to exist in the possible intellect. Hence, the words of the teacher, heard or seen in writing, have the same efficacy in causing knowledge as things which are outside the soul. For from both the agent intellect receives intelligible likenesses. Although the words of the teacher are more proximately disposed to cause knowledge than the things outside the soul, insofar as they are signs of intelligible forms. Here uh, depends how you read this passage and you could uh, argue for the total insignificance of human teaching because it's only an indirect cause that uh, even if it is not there, the process of learning is absolutely possible. Or you can read in a way in which you give a lot of importance to that it is even more important that empirical experience, uh, precisely because senior those uh, similitudinous. We could, uh, uh, similitudo here can mean uh, metaphor, can be figure of speech. Uh, Signa are the signs, the word. So what emerged here is that this uh, solution of Aquinas implies a structural role for human language, not language in general, in the sense of locutio as it is treated by the, in the school, uh, according to which even angel have uh, uh, language uh, and, uh, and is possible to communicate, but really in the human sense, where human language as always uh, sensible, is made by signs that are sensible and must be perceived, uh, is put on paper, has to be uh, seen with the eyes, is uttered with words which has to be heard by the ear. So this stress on language, but human language with all its uh, sensible aspect. So the uh, conclusion uh, of uh, reading the De Magistro and the text uh, where Aquinas presents his theory of teaching uh, give us uh, a position which may have some elements of ambiguity. As I said, uh, maybe uh, exaggerating a bit, uh, you can read in two almost opposite way this conclusion. Uh, 
uh, you can find uh, uh, textual evidence if you want to dismiss the importance of uh, human teaching, and you find textual evidence if you want to stress the importance of uh, human teaching. But if we turn to the practice of uh, teaching, where uh, should we look at? Where there is not really a uh, handbook of teaching and uh, uh, even uh, uh, some text, uh, short text that uh, uh, come very close to that are not by Aquinas, but are uh, written in the, uh, in the Dominican milieu and attributed to Aquinas just after his canonization, are texts that dates back probably to the second, uh, third decade of the 14th century, like a famous uh, Epistula de Modo Studendi, uh, uh, a letter in which is uh, summarized the way in which one has to study in order to learn. Those are not texts by Aquinas, even though they uh, put together uh, some uh, principles that we can find also in the text of Aquinas. But certainly we have to look in the prologues, especially to the commentary to the work of Aristotle, in uh, some um, text uh, like uh, the Concilia, those uh, responsiones, those short treatises or letters uh, written in order to teach someone or to clarify issues and to explain how the issue should be dealt with. In the uh, sermons and in some uh, commentaries, I'm uh, particularly fond of the commentary on Job uh, because even though in a very asystematic way, always as an aside, incidentally introduced, we have a lot of very interesting remark on uh, what, is, uh, uh, what could go wrong in the process of communication and teaching. If we look at uh, all uh, these passages, which I do not have the time uh, to insist upon, but for instance, Imbach in his introduction make a very nice use of, um, of these, we can see that uh, Aquinas uh, stresses the importance of uh, taking care of our sensor sensorial experience, both external senses and internal senses are frequent the passages and not only commenting Aristotle in which he insists how important it is to keep our memory in order. That means to make sure that the um, images that are kept in our, the data that are kept in our memory are really uh, uh, correspond well and derive from reliable uh, sensory experiences. So to take care of uh, how do we experience things, to pay attention to uh, what we see, uh, to avoid uh, easy misunderstanding, 
to be aware, for instance, there are remarks on uh, the laws of reflection. If you look things in a mirror, uh, the left is the right and the right is the left. But if you know the laws of reflection of the mirror, this is not misleading at all. And uh, this is a reliable experience. Uh, this kind of uh, remark on uh, senses, internal and external. So how we uh, get evidence from our uh, empirical experience. Second, the focus on language once more, uh, to use uh, terms that correspond to things, to avoid the vana verba or expression that either they are uh, mere sophistry or they uh, bring uh, confusion and lack of clarity in what uh, we want uh, to uh, say. And uh, the effort always to be clear when we uh, express something. To be clear, introducing example without abusing of it. And this is uh, interesting what he says on the use of the example. The example are unavoidable because uh, the problem of teaching and learning, he says, has to do not with the universal knowledge, but with the application of this universal knowledge to particulars, to concrete uh, cases. And in precisely because I'm working, uh, we are working with particular cases, the role of example is extremely important. Uh, but there are also other aspects that are stressed here. They interpersonal dimension, not only interpersonal because teaching and learning have to do with a teacher and a pupil and two person, but uh, the role, for instance, of uh, uh, friendship. Adjuvatur enis unus ab altero in consideratione veritatis. Uh, this we find in, uh, in the prologue to the metaphysics. Um, uh, there are several passages where the idea of helping each other, of uh, being together for a common pursuit. So the idea of friendship and good society, which is a sort of uh, requirement for an effective uh, uh, pedagogical transmission. The um, discussion of curiosity, uh, despite uh, being so fond of the Aristotelian text, Aquinas doesn't follow Aristotle in thinking that curiosity per se is a value, uh, and is well reminiscent of uh, uh, both Augustine and more recently uh, Bernard of Clairvaux, who condemned a certain kind of uh, uh, curiositates uh, which uh, uh, were not motivated by a true pursuit of uh, uh, truth. Uh, and so the position of Aquinas also on the topic of curiosity is, uh, uh, is quite cautious. And on the one, he refused uh, a clear condemnation like uh, uh, we find in uh, Bernard of Clairvaux, but certainly he, is, uh, he put a lot of uh, limits and restrictions on uh, the philosophical curiosity as 
as such. This is also something that emerged uh, when we read uh, these uh, uh, asides, these uh, incidental reflection on the practice of teaching and learning. And, uh, and then there are also some interesting, uh, even though there are very few of them, but very interesting in themselves notes, for instance, on the use of a certain lightness, the use even of an uh, uh, ironic uh, register of, uh, of a joke uh, in order to uh, keep uh, the attention um, awake and uh, to uh, facilitate the teaching. Uh, these are also interesting uh, remarks and maybe should be explored uh, a bit more in detail. I'm uh, now, uh, for another occasion, I'm uh, reading and trying to understand what is the position of Aquinas concerning uh, laughter, uh, joke, uh, comic uh, um, plays, etc. And indeed, uh, uh, one notice that uh, there is not much uh, uh, literature, especially not much uh, exegetical um, contribution on this aspect. It's still an underrated aspect of, uh, of Aquinas, uh, maybe because it doesn't it seems a very austere author who doesn't make jokes easily. However, we find uh, uh, in several occasion, uh, we find this um, playfulness in, uh, in Aquinas uh, as a teacher. And uh, eventually, a constant insistence on the uh, coherence between the life of the teacher and his teaching, but also in a sort of analogous way, the life of the learner, of the student, and what uh, he can uh, learn. Um, I'm using now for this purpose a text from the Sermones, uh, edited posthumously, a work edited by the uh, lamented father uh, Bataillon. Um, uh, a marvelous uh, uh, text. Uh, not many uh, scholars read uh, the sermons, but uh, those sermons helps us uh, really to capture the uh, figure of uh, the actual uh, friar Aquinas. Uh, here, uh, for instance, uh, we read uh, in a sermon uh, about the false prophet, Quando quis alter docet et aliter vivit, aliter docet et aliter vivit, tunc doctrina eius non est accepta. And it goes on that when someone teaches in a way and he lives in a way that contrasts with what he teaches, this teaching doctrina is not accepted is not effective. And therefore, this is a failure uh, due to uh, the lack of uh, coherence. In the same sermons, there is an interesting uh, example. 
as I said, there are few examples. Uh, these, uh, of course, we have to be careful in the very transmission, textual transmission of medieval sermons. Um, the fact that in a collection that has less example than in another uh, is also due to some aspect of the trans uh, tradition, because sometimes the, the examples are, uh, are so summarized or even not mentioned. This doesn't mean that in the actual sermon delivered by Aquinas, there was not an example. But leaving aside uh, this uh, hermeneutical issue, we find a very nice example. And uh, the example has to do with a rich man who um, uh, has uh, to uh, give his daughter in marriage. And uh, he thinks uh, that uh, there are riches, uh, I read it again in Latin, aliquid sunt divites in rebus possessis, sed sunt tenues internis, sicut stulti qui non habent sapientiam. There are those who are very rich, but they are tenues, they are poor, they are not well equipped, uh, not well endowed in uh, internal skills, uh, like those who are not uh, wise, who are unwise. And so uh, there are two uh, young men who uh, claim to become uh, the um, son-in-law uh, of these, um, the sons-in-law of these men. One of them is very rich, but is not really sapiens. The other, is very uh, wise, but is not rich. So this man address uh, goes to ask advice, uh, ask a wise man, uh, which of the two uh, men should uh, uh, become the husband of his daughter. And uh, he, the answer is, uh, Malo virum indigentem divicis, quam divicias indigentes virum. I prefer, says the wise man, a man lacking possession rather than possession lacking a man. And follows that uh, the daughter is given to the one who is poor. But it's very important what follows, because what follows not only says that God is the most rich of everybody, and therefore, if you are with God, you are never poor, but uh, he define what is this uh, stultitia or this sapientia. It's not really a question of learning. It's not a question of being a literatus vir is rather a question of uh, um, having reverence for God and recognizing that the only treasure full of all riches is God himself. And therefore, uh, the reference here is uh, to the gospel, uh, everybody was able to give everything away in order to look at acquirendum ad acquirendum tesaurum illum, that is to say, the uh, uh, 
riches that are in God, so spiritual riches, this is the only one who can really be claimed to be wise. This is an interesting uh, uh, remark that uh, uh, help us uh, to uh, see what on the endowed uh, is uh, the second quotation is taken from the Summa Contra Gentiles and he speaks of those who are tardy intellectus, eh? those who are slow-witted. Uh, those persons need exempla particularia, but those who are sharp and quick, they just need one example and then they, uh, they are uh, using their able to get the point very, very quickly. So the way in which the use of the example that is unavoidable, but has to be also very cautious and always in the perspective of uh, uh, provoking uh, teaching. But if we look uh, now at the historical sources and how Aquinas, uh, by his early biographers, was depicted as a teacher, we uh, can glean further elements. First of all, we could look at the tradition that also is uh, unfortunately understudied, uh, uh, even though um, uh, Father Schooner had started to collect uh, the manuscript, etc., is the tradition of the miracula uh, tome. Just after the canonization, there is a, a true literary genre, the literary genre of the miraculous, so list of miracles uh, performed by uh, a saint. Uh, and it is interesting to study in a comparative way to see which are the miracles that uh, uh, Aquinas performed after his death. Uh, there is a pattern there, and a lot of those miracles touches on two issues. Uh, learning with a particular emphasis on facundia, someone who was uh, uh, unable to speak, uh, uh, stubborn or unable to speak, suddenly praying in Aquinas is able to speak fluently and in a rhetorically most elegant way. Second, someone who is looking for an information as books under his eyes, he cannot find the information, he pray Aquinas, Aquinas intervene and he shows which order he has to follow and how he can uh, find the information he's looking uh, to in those books. Uh, third, and it seems disconnected by the other, but we will try to see how maybe uh, it's not so far-fetched, is uh, are miracle concerning the um, uh, good use of human passions. Uh, Aquinas is very often depicted as a sort of doctor of the passion of love. We have, uh, we have a case I would uh, like to mention. Uh, this is a little booklet I published uh, years ago. And uh, uh, there is, um, this is a, is a text uh, uh, which is uh, quite, uh, quite interesting, uh, has to do with uh, a uh, rich woman uh, in Pavia, in uh, Northern Italy. The manuscript is now 
at the uh, Archivio Generale of uh, the Dominicans in Rome, uh, manuscript 1423. And there, there is this absolutely fascinating story where this uh, lady had a sort of flirt with uh, an, a Miles, a knight, uh, Don Almazio. Uh, the name of the lady is Ricca Donna, uh, De Pasturinis. Uh, Ricca Donna is also the name uh, reflects her condition. That was a, a woman not really belonging to the aristocracy, but very wealthy because she was the daughter of a merchant. And uh, well, after the first flirt uh, and the interest, uh, the, the young uh, nobleman, the gentleman, did uh, was today the young uh, people call ghosting, disappeared, disappeared. And so she was uh, really uh, very, very sorry. And together with her mother, she went to the church uh, and to the uh, newly canonized uh, saint, Aquinas, she asked to intervene. And after uh, some time, the gentleman comes back and uh, he says, uh, Vere credo quod aliquod maleficium fecisti mi, quia non pot, non uh, potuit quiescere is diebos, cor meum dicendo continui in semetipso, vade vade, desponsa ea. So this man uh, is uh, possessed by a sort of uh, regret, of uh, feeling, guilt feeling, I don't know exactly what, but he cannot really uh, be in peace anymore. And there is this voice in him that uh, tells, go, go to her and marry her, honor uh, her. And, uh, and the, the mother said, no, it was not, um, was nothing maleficent. It was the intervention of our saint. Who, uh, also, these, you know, the control of passion, which are not denied, but they are. They should be directed for a good purpose. They shouldn't be seen in contrast with reason, but as a sort of fuel energy, which reason can rely upon. Uh, for her uh, work. And this is an aspect that you immediately see the relevance in the act of teaching and learning, how the passion, uh, hope, uh, delection, even um, anger, if you want uh, to write a polemical track to reestablish a truth, how this element can be functional for an effective uh, teaching experience. But uh, there is also another uh, miracle uh, that uh, is uh, reported in the very first uh, biography of Aquinas, which dates back to uh, 1319, before the canonization, when there was the uh, process in Naples, and the author of this uh, uh, testimony is uh, um, Bartolomeo of Capua. And he reports what uh, a friar of uh, the uh, convent in uh, Naples told him. The friar's name was uh, John of Campania, John of, uh, uh, of uh, Campania. Um, 
Dum frater Thomas de nocte surgere et orationem, invenit ex una parte oris eius unum dente, qui subito sibi natus fuerat illa nocte, qui tenebat labrum sum aliquantulum revolutum, et impediebat verbum sum, ne articulatet posset loco. Equinus wakes up in the middle of the night for his prayer, and he noticed that he has, if we take literally, he has a tooth that was risen during the night, and it prevents him from, he is no more able to speak anymore. For a teacher, not being able to articulate anymore a clear, uh, speech is uh, dramatic. At that point, uh, um, uh, Thomas uh, said, Ah, Deus, istud impediet lectionem. This would make impossible my work as a lecturer, as a master, as a teacher. And immediate ivit atorationem mores solitu, ante magnum altare sancti dominici, beati dominici, Dens ille superfluot subitonatus cecidit in mano eius. And this tooth born during the night fold, and he was able to speak again. Apart from the miracle of uh, the tooth born and prevented, uh, we could also, it seems, uh, one reading this uh, can easily think of a light. Uh, uh, ischemic stroke when you can uh, have the impression that your mouth is uh, as something strange because you cannot control anymore your lips you cannot speak anymore uh, until you uh, you recover but uh, even this miracle you see is connected there is the uh, why was uh, uh, dramatic because uh, Aquinas couldn't teach anymore hmm? Uh, so uh, teaching is, uh, uh, there is this connection between miracle and Aquinas seen as a teacher and also as an expert of uh, emotions, uh, seen in function of uh, uh, learning and the good deeds and the use of, uh, of reason. Uh, with this case, uh, we are approaching the third and last part. Uh, and the third and last part uh, wants to thematize uh, the topic of uh, uh, impairment, of uh, handicap, of uh, uh, bodily defect, which affects uh, mental, uh, mental health, and how these uh, can represent a, a serious challenge for any theory of teaching or learning, and even more for any practice of uh, teaching and learning. Uh, here we go uh, for uh, the last time um, uh, to one of the texts on the handout. And in on this text, uh, we have uh, uh, this use of uh, the book of Job, uh, to stress the importance of the inspiration that comes from God. And uh, thanks to this inspiration, any sort of uh, limit, darkness, hindrance, uh, cognitive uh, 
limitation can be overcome. In the endowed, you have also uh, some uh, basic bibliography concerning both in Aquinas and in Aquinas time in the Middle Ages, the problem of uh, uh, impairment of uh, physical and mental impairment. Uh, I really uh, urge you to go and look at this website, Homo Debilis. This, uh, even though it has not been up to the, uh, updated since uh, 2017, it uh, collects the fruits of uh, more than 10 years uh, uh, research of a group in Germany, really trying to uncover uh, the uh, problem of uh, disabilities uh, in uh, uh, the study of the Middle Ages. Um, you find there a very, not on Aquinas per se, but in general, a very rich bibliography, a lot of information. The topic of uh, disability in the Middle Ages is quite recent in scholarship. And uh, uh, Salvo Migliori Judicio, the first book really, uh, thematically and explicitly uh, devoted to it, was published in 1982, uh, called Un et Société, and was uh, uh, motivated by the application to the Middle Ages of some idea put forward in the history of folly uh, by um, Foucault, uh, the, the French uh, thinker. Uh, after this uh, uh, path-breaking publication in 82, uh, other publications came, and certainly uh, the book by Irina Metzler, Fools and Idiots, Intellectual Disability in the Middle Ages, uh, published in 2016 in Manchester, deserves uh, attention because uh, uh, it is a very nice overview of the different uh, problem that we have uh, there. Um, and uh, uh, one of the first uh, problems that an historian who wants to avoid any anachronism um, meets when uh, discussing the problem of uh, mental intellectual disability in the age of Aquinas, even in the works of Aquinas, is a question of terminology. Uh, we do not have uh, yet uh, an institutionalization of certain disabilities that allow from modernity on to recognize even uh, very clearly socially them. And while certain uh, handicap uh, or certain impairment like blindness, by the way, very interesting used by Aquinas uh, in uh, relation to teaching, um, and to teaching uh, uh, vices, uh, but I have no time to uh, enter that uh, in that uh, analysis now. Uh, it is uh, to see which is the terminology. And there is uh, not one term, there is a family of terms. And each uh, reflects a kind of disease problem uh, that has to be studied in the context in order to understand. Uh, furiosi, eh? those who are um, maniac, we could say, those who are not really able to control their passion uh, by a judicious use of reason. They are 
they are not necessarily bad people, but sometimes these, uh, um, these mania uh, can overcome the possibility to use reason at all. And so they are like fools. But they, they are also uh, the amentes or dementes, who are really those who are not, uh, uh, who are not able to use uh, uh, either in full or uh, in a relevant part their intellectual abilities. Um, a term that I will propose here also to make short and to conclude in uh, no more than uh, uh, five minutes this part in order to move to the conclusion is uh, the word idiota. And why I'm choosing the word idiota? Because it's one of these words that after this half of the 14th century, it generally has a negative denotation, very close to uh, our idiot. You are an idiot. Nobody would take that as a compliment, I think. The ancient meaning, um, idiotes, uh, um, Greek, and then the Latin was much more neutral, uh, was, uh, was not negative at all, was the private person, the layman, usually the one who always uh, lives in, in a place. And the way in which it is translated in uh, uh, Latin or the way in which uh, uh, a synonym for this uh, neutral meaning is uh, simplex laicus sine literis, which per se are not negative. Eh? To be simplex is not negative at all. Uh, it depends how, uh, what is the form of this simplicity. Well, uh, let's look at uh, three. Uh, I, I read all the occurrences. Uh, to give you an idea, we could uh, select three passages. The first is uh, taken from the first book of the Summa Contra Gentiles, uh, chapter three, in particular, number five. There you clearly see that he speaks of uh, idiota, idiote, uh, and he speaks of a very degree. They are idiotic like simplices, a simple person who are, who are intelligent, but simply they, they, they cannot really, um, they are not sophisticated, they are not learned. In, another, in one of the Quodlibeta, he would say that idiote utuntur dialectica queda, uh, quadam. Um, they, they reason, they have a sort of implicit dialectic. They use it, but they do not follow the rule of logic because they never learned them, but they are not stupid at all. However, you have some idiote who are maxime amensie, who are really out of their mind, who are not able to think. Qui ea quia filosofo proponuntur falsa assereret propteroc quod ea capere non possunt. Uh, those uh, people deny the truth of what the philosopher teaches not because they know that it's false or they have any idea, but simply they cannot understand what is taught to them. However, immediately after this claim, in the same paragraph of chapter three of the first book of the Summa Contra Gentiles, 
uh, Aquinas stressed the fact that uh, intellectus autem angeli plus excedit intellectum humanum, quam intellectus optimi philosophy, intellectum rudissimi idiot. If we take the most uh, uh, poor case of uh, intellectual simplicity, uh, rudissimus idiot, and uh, the most sophisticated, uh, the highest uh, case of human intelligence, optimus philosophy, the most, the best philosopher, the difference between the two is irrelevant, is trivial in comparison with, between the uh, uh, difference of uh, an angelic intelligence and a human intelligence. And these prepare an argument in which uh, the stress is to say, yes, there is this difference among men, but uh, there is not really much at stake, especially because quodest mirabilius, humanarum mensium inspiratione, ut idiotae et simplices, dono spiritus sancti, repleti, summan sapientiam et facundiam in instanti consecuto. Because in any case, eh, those uh, idiote vel simplices can, thanks to the gift of uh, uh, divine grace, acquire the wisdom in one shot in the most full uh, way. Uh, and we have an example, this is the second text from the De Substantia Separatis, where he said, manifeste, uh, uh, we have the evidence of people, uh, here the, ter the term uh, that I translate possessed, but is a quite um, untechnical translation, arreptizi, arreptizi, uh, decensis locuntur quas ignorant, literaliter locuntur, cum sint simplices idiot. Cioè, those people possessed who speak of sciences which they don't know, and they speak like people who are literate, not like common people, so using logic, etc. Or uh, another case, those who hardly, uh, who always lived in the same village, who hardly went away for any reason, and aliene gentis vulgare polite locuntur, and are able to speak polite in a polished, uh, correct way, other uh, vernacular language from other countries. Uh, these are evidence that uh, there is a way that uh, not via visible uh, teaching, via the inspiration. And these uh, insist Aquinas in the Rationibus Fides, Fidei. Um, this is obvious because the opus divine virtutis omnia abiecta et infirma elegitim. Uh, the very story of uh, the uh, divine revelation is a story of the election of those who are uh, weak and uh, uh, ill and rejected by the other. Uh, and he explicitly uh, says that the early church had discipulos idiotas. Huh? Uh, here, uh, idiot is not negative, but uh, uh, so it doesn't mean uh, 
stupid means people without any learning, without any refinement, they still they were those who made possible the success of the evangelization. And why this? Because in them, coniugebatur humana infirmitas et divina potestas. Now I pass to the conclusion. And the conclusion is, uh, even though can be enriched, uh, especially using the commentary on, um, on job, maybe if there is any question, I can enter more in detail, but I would use uh, the, I would quote two passages from this article, short, you find it online, and I really recommend you to read because um, um, the thesis is set in a clear way, uh, and uh, even though it's presented in a way that may uh, seem, uh, maybe even one-sided, still it has the merit of being very clear. John Burkham, are the severely mentally disabled sacramental icons of heavenly life, Aquinas on impairment. And uh, from this uh, article, I, I would uh, read uh, two passages, which are uh, the premise for uh, the conclusion. It is important to note that uh, for Aquinas, while moral choice is the typical seed of spiritual growth, it is ultimately not necessary and certainly not sufficient for the spiritual perfection of human beings. We shall see this from Aquinas' discussion of the spiritual perfection of the holy innocents and of those human beings who, through some defect of impairment of physical nature, may never have the ability to make moral choices. And on the basis of this, the author arrived to conclude. Let me find the passage I want to read before. The severely mentally impaired, here he, he arrived at this conclusion, uh, analyzing especially, uh, he analyzed from the tertia pars, but uh, you have a very nice text already in the fourth book on the commentary of the sentences uh, concerning the baptism to those who are amentes, uh, or furiosi, etc., or to the uh, Eucharist. Uh, the severely mentally impaired, having been baptized and thus cleansed from the stain of original sin, and having been endowed with the Holy Spirit gift of wisdom as a disposition in their soul, are unable to sin since the severely mentally impaired are thus unable to separate themselves from the love of God, they are, in a sense, sacramental icons of heavenly love. So it seems that in the most dramatic case of intellectual mental impairment, it is the uh, moment where the divine teaching cannot fail anymore and is fully um, and is fully uh, realized. 
what is uh, now the consequence for human teaching and for human language and uh, for the topics that have been addressed in the De Magistro, whether a man can teach uh, someone else or not and under which condition. It seems that uh, the way to uh, interpret which really reflects the deep understanding of Aquinas is not to deny that the human teaching has a role, but as essentially a negative role. Uh, through the use of language and through the example of life, the teacher has to uh, prevent, uh, to create the best condition for the answer of the learner, but uh, what uh, the person learning, especially at the level of scientia and universal uh, statement, uh, depends only on the agent intellect and uh, the use of it, and ultimately the grace of God and the gift of uh, wisdom. What is the consequence of that? Is that uh, rather than being seen as a marginal case of an otherwise uh, established norm, the impairment is uh, presented as the condition of uh, uh, the human life in via. We are all impaired, is only a question to realize that and to realize that also with the awareness that some of us as gifts, as skills, as condition of life, this is the proemius to the question 171 of the Secunda Secunda, which I put on the endowed in Latin, all these different level that has to be considered and which Aquinas is fully aware of. Um, but being aware of the gifts, of the skills, of the endowment of wars in the most of the cases happen and because we are able to use our reason, etc., uh, is not presented as what should be considered the norm. And then the impairment is the exception that has to be somehow integrated or explained. But there is a clear claim that the impairment is uh, the, uh, the norm and we have to think from that perspective and therefore even look at the uh, pedagogical success not as uh, something uh, positive but something that uh, liberate the possibility of uh, the uh, intellectual soul, which is the only soul of man, to uh, make the whole person flourish. I cut here in order to keep uh, in the time. I hope that despite the variety of topics we have touched, I hope that was clear the movement from uh, the uh, summary of the Magistro to this conclusion. And uh, uh, I'm of course very happy if we could have a discussion on this. I hope that my macaronic English being an impairment was not uh, so uh, severe to prevent you from following what I said. Thank you very much.